Welcome to another edition of the Pucks with Hags podcast. I believe this is the Heinz 57th episode of the Pucks with Hags podcast. We will have no condiment talk today, though. We will just be talking about Boston Bruins. I want to thank uh, my two guests today, a good friend and colleague, Mick Collagio, uh, frequent guest on the show, and also another frequent guest on the show, the Boston Globes, Boston Globes, Kevin Paul DuPont, the esteemed Hall of Fame hockey writer, uh, Kevin Paul DuPont, joining us today. Gentlemen, thank you very much for being on the show. The well-deserved Elmer Fergie for Dupes. That's right. Uh, Elmer Fergie. Dupes can call it Elmer Fergie because he's in the club. You know, he could be casual. <laughs> right, right. I've been called worse. Elmer Fudd would be one of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's also thank our sponsors who are not Looney Tunes. Uh, FanDuel Sportsbook, America's, uh, our CNOS's exclu- exclusive wagering uh, partner, uh, right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet at FanDuel Sportsbook. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL uh, playoffs going into their second week. NHL action, all kinds of good stuff going on. Let's also thank Factor Meals, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Fresh, never-frozen meals ready in just two minutes in the microwave. Delicious, calorie-conscious, chef-made meals. Uh, all you got to do is head to factormeals.com slash hags50 and use code hags50 to get 50% off your first box. All right, gents, um, we are in that portion of the season, it feels like to me, um, and, and it's going to be interesting. We'll talk about this, uh, like what lays ahead, uh, what lies ahead directly for this Bruins team, but it feels like we're almost in that portion of the season where it's like li- lose a few, win a few, lose a few, and they're sort of going back and forth depending on what's going on with the schedule, depending on their injury situation. Uh, but we've hit that sort of point in the season where it's, you know, everybody's uh, mostly stationary except for teams that get red hot. And the Bruins are are where they are, where they're going to have some, you know, good turns and bad turns. And right now they're obviously in a very good one. Uh, Mick, you mentioned before we got on the show, uh, and Monty said this after the game last night, he thought this might have been the best three-game stretch as far as the wins go. Uh, where they've consistently put together uh, efforts in the way that they're playing. Um, Dupes, what have you seen uh, in the last three games? And do you believe, uh, you know, this is just a good pocket for them or that they are, as uh, Jim Montgomery would say, sort of playing the more connected team game, playing a more complete game and and building into a better team uh, as we're seeing right now? I I guess there's a lot of truth in all of that in terms of, you know, parts right now, if you're not Edmonton or Philly, you are kind of in that, that ebb and flow that you're talking about hags because, yep. just, yeah. and, and frankly, that's kind of the nature of the sport these days. I mean, when you look, especially when you look in the East, I, I didn't do the math this morning, but I've been doing the running math as we go. It, it, there's about, I don't know, there's been five points that separate uh eight teams that are in the in, you know the i call it the wild card mix and that wild card mix is the the four or five or that day who are south of the line and then the 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 two or three teams that are actually holding one of the top three seeds but they're you know they're, they're liable to to blink over a weekend and they're they're down in the wild card mix so yep. it, it is somewhat the nature of the sport what i will say based on what i've seen especially last night i mean key to success being their goaltending you know Swayman's been excellent so uh you know we, we're going to have that question as we get to the playoffs too is it going to be the straight rotation or go with the hot hand um one thing that's 
did strike me last night was the number of times, and I think this is because Colorado plays man-to-man, is the number of times I saw the Bruins really with viable, good, if not a great shot, great positioning around the offensive net uh, and a lot of freewheeling around the offensive net. That that I haven't seen. That That was remarkable to me last night. Now, is that more concentrated play that, uh montgomery's talking about or is that just one opponent i don't know but the the trend line here is good and i would say it's because of all the all the good things that are the foundation of the team you know a a, a, an excellent pairing in in lindholm and and uh, mcavoy i say pairing two good guys not not necessarily paired great goaltending tandem and and two great wingers uh you should be in you should be in the uh mix with those four, five, or six guys, yeah, most definitely. I, it's from my standpoint watching that game, particularly last night, because as I would break down the three wins, like St. Louis is a team they should beat, right? I, it was a tough game because it was the end of a road trip. Uh, you know, they've been going through time zones. It was challenging on some levels. They were trying to break a losing streak. Uh, they've been playing, you know, overtime shootout games going into that. So uh, I, I thought that was a game they they should have won, and they did win. The New Jersey game, they obviously played well, but uh, that was also a New Jersey team that was missing Jack Hughes, missing Dougie Hamilton, uh, definitely did not have their usual offensive pop and sizzle, um, and the Bruins just kind of took care of business. That game last night, I think, was the one I was most impressed by. Um, I was most interested to watch how they were going to play it, Um, and the way that they finished that game, uh, and this is a trend that we have seen with this team recently, where they're finishing off teams in the third period now, where before they were kind of hanging on for dear life, white knuckling with one goal leads. A lot of times teams were scoring and pushing them into overtime. Uh, You saw them hold Colorado. I think it was to four shots on net in the third period. Mm. Uh, They really held them down defensively, did not give them a ton of chances. And then at the end, uh, get that power play on the high stick, convert on it to get the insurance goal and really just, you know, throttle uh, the, the avalanche towards the end of the game. Uh, that was sort of one encouraging sign that that I've seen that there's some progress there. I I do agree with you though that, you know, I, I think we're going to see ups and downs, and, and it, it will be interesting over the next month, um, because they're play they're in the midst of stretch where they're playing 12 or 14 games at home. Basically, from about mid January until mid February, they're going to be in Boston at home, except for a two game stretch where they go to Ottawa and Philadelphia, and that's it. Otherwise, they're they're at home resting, recharging, and it's going to be interesting to see if they can put something together and really separate from the rest of the pack. I'm with you, Dupes. I think the East is completely wide open. There's not a lot that separates the top to bottom. I think, in general, the Metro division's down this year. Um, the quality is down. Um, and there's just no real clear-cut favorite, even though I, you know, the Bruins are at the top of the, the conference, but I don't feel like they're a favorite by any means. And I think there are weaknesses on this team, even though they've played well and they've got some definite strengths. Uh, but uh, Mick, anything you sort of liked or or took from last night's game or this three-game stretch that you think uh, separates it from uh, you know other winning that we've seen this year? One is the belief, like you alluded to, the third period. There's a belief. Yep. There's a push. They're going forward instead of backward. Um, the other thing is is that. Uh, from a hockey standpoint, the Bruins had difficulty getting into their system when teams would imitate the Florida Panthers and rim the puck hard around the attacking zone. 
The Avalanche had one good second period, and they didn't exactly do that. They set a lot of picks. They played physically in front and at the corners of the net and isolated talented players to uh, make make shots from good positions, and Swayman had to be very big in that period. Shot blockers had to be very big in that period. A lot of shot attempts, and uh, they were from quality spots. That was the one period that the Avalanche looked good. The rest of the game, the Bruins made them look like a team that had it too easy a couple of nights earlier in Buffalo and were, were a little tired with their trip and a little disinterested and Ranton and the fans on the Colorado fans riding the subway after the game were saying that Ranton looked so slow and that he, you know, and I'm thinking the whole game, what a monster this guy is. He's a modern day Yari Curry. But I love the way the Bruins, uh, as Dupes alluded uh, against their man defense, Bruins did a lot of plays that were really cohesive where they were looking like they were going to skate and they say they're going to let me carry. I'm going to keep carrying. I'm going around the net. Is it a wrap? Is it a goal mouth pass? Is it a quick stuff? Is it a back off to the circle and go out to the point or go to the slot and go at the net? It was like they were just so in sync with what they were doing. It was really fun to watch that first period. The third period was so impressive because, and this comes back to the continuity of these last three games. The Bruins are playing, they're competing harder. As Monty alluded, every 10-game segment of the season gets more like playoff hockey. And, and this team right now is playing harder, competing harder, half-wall battles, supporting the puck, and battles around the net, uh, even post-whistle stuff. They're not getting pushed around. And it was really fun to see. Uh, Miles Wood kind of snapped last night and went after Waterspoon because he – he didn't like seeing Watherspoon push on one of his guys. Well, you know, they're used to ruling the roost and, and Watherspoon's saying, no, I don't think so. You know, and and uh, so there's a lot of battle right now with the Bruins that helps them through the hardest sledding parts of the hockey right now. And I think that's a big reason why they're coming out on top in these close ones. Yeah, it's something that we've seen recently uh, that's adding another offensive dimension to the Bruins that they frankly needed in the first half of the year at times uh, is Jake DeBrusque uh, finally sort of finding his game. And uh, Montgomery uh, saying last night, it seems like every game I'm now saying this is Jake DeBrusque's you know, best game of the season and uh, certainly more engaged, uh, definitely more confident offensively. Um, Great back check on Miles Wood last night. Yep. They were a hustle, 200 foot plays that he was engaged and involved in. Uh, there was a, the, the play on the, the power play insurance goal where he feeds the puck down to Pasternak kind of drops it down to him at the net was just a, a fantastic skill play and just a great example of the two of them and the way they can work together and some chemistry that those two players uh, do have together at times. And it was also a nice example of Pasternak winning a battle along the sidewalls uh, to create that whole sequence before he cut to the net. Um, what's Where do you stand right now, Mick, on uh, Jake DeBrusque, where his game is at, what the prognosis is for him uh, the rest of this season and, and moving forward? Well, he had a great game. I've never seen a Bruin at his age, his career stage, <laughs> excuse me, go to the contract, go to the end of his contract and stay in Boston. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, so, you know, at the end of the day, my, my revert position, my, you know, my, uh, I, I keep going back to square one, which is players like in that situation don't stay. 
So if I'm the Bruins, I try to move them to, to somebody with term because I'm not a believer. Unless they have their privy that they've talked and they're going to work it out and they want to and, and the sides agree. And I don't see it. Um, so I'm like, yeah, is he playing well finally? Yes. Is he back to being that guy we saw before he got banged up in the Winter Classic, winning the damn game at Fenway? Then, um, yeah, he's back to being that guy. Uh, he's been inching closer for the last month or so, and he's back to being really viable for this team. Um, so, and you know, to me, that that makes it uh, that makes him better trade bait in my mind. The NFL season is wrapping up. And there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. Now, the app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 or 24-7 support in Massachusetts, or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Dupes, what's your uh, what's your feeling, gut instinct on to the direction that we're headed with Jake DeBrusque uh, now that he seems to finally be finding where he, you know, since the, since the holiday break, since he came back, he's back to the player we expected them to be and the numbers are starting to get back to, you know, where they should be. Yeah. Which is to say he's playing like a top six forward, right? Yep. <laughs> top six forward. They pay $4 million a year that uh, he it's, it's difficult with Jake because he is, he is the perfect example of the love hate player. And I'm sure the three of us love him today. Uh, two weeks from now, the three of us could hate him today. It's just, it's, it's very difficult. So you know, exactly what Mick had said there about, you know, terming out and usually those guys leave here. Uh, sometimes they don't want to leave here in, is the case with Tory Krug. Yep. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I, I don't know. I, which, which the Bruins made the right call on Tory Krug. And it, I think that's, yes, born out of, 
you know, on the way things have gone in St. Louis and they were trying to trade him this past summer and, you know, everything else. Yeah. And, and again, uh, you know, that that's the Tory Krug we're seeing play in St. Louis with that lineup, which, as we know, is compromised and they've they've let a number of people go. Maybe if Tory had stayed here, he'd have put up the same numbers that he was putting. So it's very difficult. It's, it, it, this whole discussion is difficult. And, and I suppose I'll I'll weave Jake into this in that. You know, there, there's the hum of the regular season, which we're talking about, and you, you've expressed right up front in terms of win a couple, lose a couple, get on a three-game three, three hitter, heater, go back to 500. That's the hum of the regular season. The, it, we, we, we're judging everything on the hum of the regular season when in reality the playoffs are the rattle and hum. And I don't really know if they've got the rattle in them. I don't think Jake has it. I don't think Jake has ever had it. I think yeah. Jake's a great player when when the temerity from the other side is is at par or substandard. But as we know, it where uh, is he going to be if they play Florida? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's that's it. And that he's not alone in that, right? I, right, Lindholm too. But when I when I look when I look at the whole DNA composition of the team. Um, it, it's great. It's great for six, six and a half months here. It's fun to watch and people get excited, but everything's got to be filtered through the hum of it and, and trying to come up. Okay. Where's the rattle. And I'm not saying go out and mop the ice with guys. We, that doesn't exist anymore, but I think you got to have the guy, you know, the spit disturber, all of those guys. And I still don't see it in this bunch. I don't, I see, I see a lot of. Cause they've been nibbling at the edges. And you yeah, don't nibble at the edges. It's a culture that gets into your top six. That's where it is. That's where it has to be. And that's not where it's not. And yeah, so, you can't have Brad Marchand at 36 being your toughest forward. Right. So to your point where Weatherspoon pushes back and says, I'm not going to, you know, you're right. You know, Colorado's got that sort of verve in it. This team doesn't. Watherspoon steps up and that distinguishes himself. They should have five guys doing that. Bingo. Right? Every, every, I mean, every, we've, we've talked about this a little bit, and I feel like that's what the, you know, a lot of people want to talk about Elias Lindholm centers. They need a center, like whatever. Charlie Coyle has been outstanding this year. Like, I think he's yeah. filled into a spot where the, the need to bring in a guy like Elias Lindholm is not as strong as it might have been in the summertime when you were worried about Krejci and Bergeron sort of riding off into the sunset and what you were going to do with that position. I would just watching this team in the first half, I think you're absolutely bang on dupes that what they need is a fourth line Garnet Hathaway type guy that will actually play that kind of game in the playoffs, as opposed to Garnet Hathaway, who's kind of disappeared in the playoffs and didn't really play the way you expected him to when they played Florida, when they traded for him, but that kind of player on your sort of bottom six fourth line uh, that has presence uh, that, that will bang bodies that other teams have to think about uh, when you put them out there. And the same on, on the back end. Somebody that's got snarl and some mean and nastiness uh, around the net and will push back or push first, you know, and make you react to what they're doing rather than, you know, trying to constantly, uh, you know, wait for you to make a move and then defend yourself. And, you know, uh, Weatherspoon's been nice as far as the way that he's played, and he's obviously hungry and that's probably part of it because he's up from the HL and he wants to stay. 
Uh, but I think they could use a veteran defenseman guy, uh, defenseman type uh, that plays that way. And I think those are their two big needs and they're doable needs. You know, they're not things you're going to have to go out and spend a ton for to get as opposed to this, you know, big ticket item at the trade deadline that they don't have the assets for anyway, as far as prospects and draft picks go. So like, you know, I, I think the element that you're talking about that they're going to need in the playoffs, as opposed to the nice polite game that they play during the regular season uh, is, is exactly what they should be going after. And, and what is a clear need? Otherwise they're not going to have a long run in the playoffs. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think what we're, we're, what we're criticizing them here for is, is true of most every team in the league. Right. They, they they go through this they sort out the 16 seeds and then they then they you know then they then they do have it or they don't have it and again that that game in and of itself doesn't win for you because that's not the way the game is played anymore it's not the it's it's not the broad street bullies and all of that it's and, and i'm glad it isn't but you do have to have that sort of consistent shift to shift sandpaper threat and, and and they did it last year. They went out and got half the way. He wasn't as much as we thought he would be, but that addressed it. Orlov, too. Orlov, everyone thought, and he did. He delivered on points. He had the eight assists in the playoffs. But Orlov had a real nice little nasty niche of, of stepping up on the guy from yep. just above his defensive circle toward that toward the uh, toward the other team's offensive blue line and putting on a smack. You know, when you've got that threat back there, as we saw when they had with Seidenberg and McQuaid and 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 Z. Boychuk. Boychuk. Yep. When you've got that, you know, that rattlesnake threat back there, it changes the complexion of what Absolutely. the other Absolutely. You box out with more authority. You protect your crease with more authority. And the other thing is on the forward lines, Bruins used to wear down defensemen going back on their retrievals. That was not been present in any of the last few playoff series. Montour, as good a player as he is, should never have had enough left in the tank to tie game seven in the final minute like he did. He should have been beaten to a pulp. That's what the Islanders did to Charlie McAvoy in 21. They, 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 just, they just set out to beat the crap out of him for six games. And Barry Trotz hugged him so hard afterwards, I thought he was going to stick him under his suit coat and bring him down the visitor's aisle and put him on their plane because he loved him because he stood up to it. But it was a brutal series for him. And that's why I would love to see the Bruins get a complimentary left shot D who can ease the game for McAvoy because he does it all, but it's an awful long way to, to where they want to go for him to do it all without having a, a compliment that eases parts of the game frame that allows him to be the best he can be. And there's, there, there's one element I'll just throw this very quickly because uh, one element in today's the day of, of I believe Milan Lucic should be in court today. Yes. So uh, you know they they were addressing it with Lucic. Yeah. Uh, in part. Yep. In part. He maybe he was the fourth line guy we're talking about. Yes. Uh, yeah. And and you know maybe so you know th- I, I, hey. If the if the three dunces doing this podcast can figure it out, they've figured it out in the front office too. They should have. Yeah, and and I try. You know, when we've talked about this before, I've tried to give them at least partial credit for like they they tried to address it. You know, with with signing him in the summertime and and thought they had, and now they're sort of like uh, dealing with it on the fly to try to resolve the situation and re resolve the problem. 
uh, to try to find somebody else of which there are not that many players out there to begin with that have those kind of credentials. Um, so that can be challenging. And, you know, w- while we're talking about trade deadlines and so, and we mentioned Orlov and Hathaway and, uh, you know, this was something I tweeted about and I do want to give, uh, Don Sweeney and the Bruins some credit, uh, for they were they got crushed around free agency time uh, for not bringing back Tyler Bertuzzi and and not finding a way to bring him back and you know now in hindsight uh, the way that he's he's really struggled in Toronto um, and you know granted I'm uh, part of it I'm sure is there's not enough pucks to go around for all those players that want the puck on their stick all the time uh, but he you know has it does not look like the money where he's worth the money that Toronto signed him to or that he wanted from Boston. And they went out and got a guy that's putting up similar five on five numbers in, in James Van Riemsdyk and similar production numbers for a million a year. So I, I in the, the hindsight people's court, I'd like to at least give the Bruins a little bit of credit for not going overboard, trying to keep Bertuzzi and what might've been a big mistake and made this team a, a lesser team this year. He would have been a better Bruin, but probably but but I think the Leafs play too fast for him. He's really got ingenuity with the puck, and he's got a lot of P and V, but he's slow, point A to point B. Which bring which reminds me of another player who might be available is Tyler Toffoli. He's only 31. He can still find the net. He's kind of a poor man's Brett Hull. He's not much of a skater, but he's got a great nose for when to put the puck at the net, and he's pretty good at it, as we once saw with what was it one second left and and uh the, the face-off play that Kopitar wanted back to him and he beat Tuca uh that was a tough one to see uh but yeah Toffoli can still I think he could still help this team and uh, you know give him a right-handed shot I don't think he's worth Jake DeBrusque but I do think that if you can't get the guy that trends you to being more of a Tom Wilson kind of presence, then yeah. maybe you can get a Toffoli uh, who will go through the game. He will play through. Uh, so, you know, I think he's still got hockey in him. I, I would add to your point, uh, Hags, that I think the front office did an excellent job with, with all those bargain million dollar guys. Yes, they did. Uh, and, and not that any of them is overly consequential, you know, but but to go in and, and and patch the holes in the wall with million dollar spackle, uh, <laughs> they did a pretty good job with that. I mean, Shattenkirk is is what he is. Yep. You know, he's he's got none of that kind of push we're talking about. He's got a lead hockey IQ. He does. In his, in his role, he's terrific. He does. And I still contend. I mean, I know this. I get laughed out of the box on this one, but I think I think Grizzly might be their best point man. Right. Uh, you know, if, if you're going to use Shattenkirk as a point man and McAvoy, I, I'd like to give them three games where they roll out Grizzlick on PP1 and see what happens. I think there's more there, but that's that's a different discussion. He certainly has the he certainly has the, the parts and the skill set dupes to do the things that you can visualize him doing when he's had those opportunities. The results haven't quite been there. It's like yeah. Corey Cole. Get I was going to say, nice. I feel he like never I, stay with Grizzlick, but he was a genius at the left point. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I feel like Grizzlick had but, chances but. to play point on the power play before, and, and we've seen it with not, you know, 
it's left it's left me wanting anyway and i think it's probably left the bruins wanting and that's why you know he doesn't get that shot again it's too bad that he's he doesn't have more of that krug like sort of creativity acumen you know shot threat all those kind of different things that he had uh from the point on the power play uh but i also like i, I you know i watched the third period last night, Grizzlick was struggling big time. And it was hard to watch. He, you know, there were three or four shifts in a row where he had bad turnovers and it was a one goal yeah. game they were trying to protect. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've seen, I feel like we've seen more of that from Grizzlick this year than we've ever seen before. Well, um, the U2 illusion by Dupes there, the, the rattle and hum, the rat, when the rattle comes in the playoffs, that's where Grizz gets beaten up a bit. And one yep. of those plays last night in the third period looked like that. Yeah. But, but again, I, I as I said, it's, it's, it's kind of a sub discussion here. Uh, I think he can handle the point. If, if your criticism is, you know, there's criticism as a lot here. The criticism specifically to the point is point duty is that he doesn't have the big shot. He doesn't get the, sh who does on that team? Name me a point man they've used where you really figure that's a point threat. It doesn't exist with this team as, as, as it's presently constituted. But overall, all those million-dollar guys, uh, you know, they, they, they've proven JBR. All of them, they, they could all be better, of course. But I think for the role they were in, brought in as space holders in hopes, and this is the other side of the discussion, that some of these kids, Merkulov, uh, you know, we can go through that whole Providence roster. Yeah, and Patra's on the cusp. Patra, you know, I, at, at game almost game fifty now. I wish some of some of these kids had bubbled up more. Um, to me, yeah, that's Merkulov is the point. His he, his numbers were he didn't get offense in Providence until the middle of the season. When he finally did, they brought him here, and he looked really timid. He did. Yeah, he did. He did. But he did. again, he we that like, a million times. Yeah, he looked like he wasn't ready. Exactly. I, we see that a lot with guys the first time uh, they come up. And, and part of it, too, was, you know, it, he was thrown into some third, fourth line situations, too, where he's not going to be able to show exactly what he can do. And it was I think it was a little bit of both. Um, as far as the point goes, like the one guy we have not seen there a lot of these defensemen, and I, you know, I don't know if the trust is there to put him there that much yet, but it's probably the most well-equipped to do it is Mason Lowry, given his skill set, given the shot that he has, given all the things that he can do creatively with the puck. I would like to see him. I think that's where he would shine more than any of these other situations while he's up with the Bruins is if you put him with the other skill players on the top power play unit and said, go play and show us what you can do now. That's a tough sell to put him at the top uh, number one power play point ahead of Charlie McAvoy, ahead of Hampus Lindholm. Like that, that would be difficult to do, I think, just given the egos involved, given everybody wants to be in that position. You, you know, know what, under though? Sometimes they have to live up to what they say. And, and their locker yeah. room banter is that it's all about what gets us wins and everybody's equal in here. And so sometimes you got to live up to that with some tough decisions. And Lowry, I think, if anything, they probably look at him and say, yeah, we love the fact that he is unabashedly confident with the puck and he will make plays to keep the puck and stick handle around people and wow the crowd. Not for that yep. purpose, but that's the result when he does it. And because he's got that skill and he can skate like hell and it's fun to watch. I think they envision him in the long term in that role. I just think yep. that they feel like he's a little turnover prone right now for lack of experience.
And he says, you go higher increments of, of uh, situations and you're looking ahead to playoffs. They're probably thinking, eh, why, why dabble that way if we're not going to ultimately go that way? So, right. I, and I think that, but I think they should, because I think the upside is so high. And I think if you could get him reps doing that in the second half of the year and have him in a good place by the time the playoffs come, I think your power play is going to be all the better for it, you know, and I think they should at least give it a look, but given the circumstances involved, I can understand why that's going to be something that might not happen, you know, just given all of the factors at play here, I think that would be a bold move to do that. And you I don't know. know if it wasn't even a power play player at BU. I right. mean, they, I just, I don't, yeah, I, I like Charlie McAvoy is a very good all around defenseman. One of the best all around defensemen in the league at doing everything. Yeah. I don't think he's a power play quarterback point. He's not the ideal guy to put in that. He's position. got a lot better yeah. at it. What's but that? he wasn't that player in college, and it took him right. a while as a pro to get it to integrate it. We do have Factor Meals uh, to help us out. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit when it does get busy, when it does get crazy, when we do need a, a quick meal. Uh, they fuel you up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Takes less than two minutes to cook them. They're fresh, never frozen. Meals ready in two minutes, like I said. Uh, they have calorie conscious options going upscale with some of the things they're offering now, like surf and turf, surf and surf meal options, roasted garlic, filet mignon, and shrimp and Cajun spiced shrimp and salmon, which is like right in my wheelhouse. This is the kind of stuff I'm all about. So it's got everything for everybody. Uh, there's 34 plus chef prepared, dietitian approved weekly options for meals. Uh, you can get snacks, you can get breakfast items. Like it's, it's, it's a great deal. Um, so if you want to get Factor Meals, uh, go to factormeals.com slash hags50 and use the code hags50 to get 50% off of your fir first box. It's a great deal. Uh, you know, I I've tried it. It's fantastic. I recommend it to you. We love these ready to, to make meal kits, especially when we're, we're on the go with our kids. So one more time, that's factormeals.com slash hags50 to get 50% off your first box. You won't be sorry if you go to Factor Meals. It gets the hags thumbs up seal of approval. All right. and I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you brought up Laurie because I agree yeah. not just because I agree but what what you know you, you can see the fancy stick handling at times you see it in very small windows but what 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 strikes me right away about him is he's he's shot ready he's, he's kind of like yes. he's kind of like and I hate to even draw this analogy because people run off with it but but kind of like Bork you know as soon as I, <laughs> I knew you were going there yeah as right. soon as the elevator door opened on the third floor he's shooting <laughs> right he's yes. shooting all the way down to the dressing room he's shooting coming out of shoot it that's what that's 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 the point of this exercise we got yeah. four guys up here it's coming to you shoot it unload yeah. right. you sound like that guy in the balcony dude shoot yeah. That <laughs> yeah the leather lugs in the balcony right mm -hmm. and and it's gonna backfire it's good it's, it's gonna go off right. net sometimes it's gonna get wrapped around it's gonna turn into a shorthander here we guys we can't get out of here without mentioning that the the bergeron put kaput to the rumors <laughs> oh yeah that's right well, well you know what i mean the, the rumors were kind of ridiculous to start with uh, to begin with like it, they were running rampant with like Anybody that knows Patrice Bergeron knows he's not going to be that guy to say I retired and then start hedging and say, maybe I'm going to come back in February. You know, he's just not that type of person, you know, well, he's hanging on that. My body can't make it through 82 plus playoffs anymore. And so yeah. here we are at this point and, 
And but so, he's not, he, every he's been very consistent with every time he's been asked about retirement. I'm at peace yeah. with my decision. You know what I mean? Like sure. he's one of those guys that thinks about all of this and then does it and puts his all into his decision. And then, you know, there's really no like looking back for him. He's just that kind of person. He always has That's been. That's right. So it's been you more know? about the buzz of circumstance and people yes. wondering rather I, than knowing him. I almost feel bad for him that he is going to have to probably deal with this once a year for like the next how many years uh, where people want him to come back. If he still looks good and still looks like he could go on the ice and play 15, 18 minutes and win a Selkie, uh, people are going to continue to stoke this up if he goes out at Warrior and decides to work out on the ice and and get a skate in, you know, it's going to turn into he's coming back. you know, but, but that's just, I guess, the nature of the beast. As long as he lives around here, dupes, he's going to he's going to hear the questions about, you know, why don't you come back? You look like you can still play. Yeah, it's it's a symptom of being adored. Right. And rightly so. I mean, people people loved him for who he was and how he played. And, and that's the, and, and uh, you know, it, it's a sport that, as all sports are, uh, deal deal in nostalgia as an equity. Uh, and he is he's he's that guy. So uh, I'm. I I I haven't felt he'd ever come back. I didn't even consider it. Um, you know, I did it, it, better chance that he'd I don't know end up playing senior league in Quebec or something. Just to just hey guys, the Montreal Canadiens are here Saturday. Can you believe it? Yeah, that's <laughs> so sad. Yeah, no the rival, rivalry no is gone. Mick is sad. The rivalry is not not what it used to be. And has the schedule been makers are idiots. Yeah, but it doesn't even, you know what, as long as Montreal's irrelevant and they're not in the playoffs and they're, you know, languishing at the bottom of the Atlantic division, it's not going to be a rivalry until they get back into the postseason and they're an an adequate threat for the Bruins. I don't disagree. However, uh, they've had some wins lately against decent teams. And I'm not saying that there's any chance of a push here for them, but they're not as easy and out as they were a year or two ago. No, no. And and uh, and Marty St. Louis got them pointing in the right direction in the front office there. Like, they're going the right way. There's no question about that. Um, one thing I wanted to hit uh, before we sign off, uh, Jeremy Swayman uh, played a sixth game in a row last night. I would suspect that Allmark's going to get the next start. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's obviously, that's the most he's ever played in in a small amount of time. He was able to maintain a pretty consistent performance, really still play at a high level, even though he was playing, you know, a handful of games over, you know, less than two weeks. Um, and I thought it was interesting what he said the other night, not after the last night, but after uh, the win over the shutout over New Jersey. Um, you know, I asked him something along the lines of uh, if this is something he wanted to do, play all these games to kind of show everybody that he wants to play and he can play uh, a lot of games in a short amount of time. And he could take on more of a sort of number one goalie workload. And he said, I I want the net every night. That's why I want my teammates to know. That's what I want my coaches to know. And that's what I want this organization to know. I actually love being in the net. That's where I'm most comfortable. And it's what I was born to do. Every opportunity, I don't take it for granted. I enjoy it to the fullest. I have a smile on my face every time and look forward to more. Um, How does this play out dupes? in the yeah. second half of the year, you think um, that given that he's played well, given that he's an all-star, given that his contract is up after this year, given sort of all the factors involved, all marks entering the last year of his deal. Um, how do you think this shakes out down the stretch as far as playing time goes and into the playoffs? I think Swayman's going to start game one. If he plays well, I think he's going to keep playing. He has not been afforded that opportunity yet 
in these postseasons. It's been Allmark game one, and then he has to come in later on as uh, in a tough spot as the relief pitcher later on in the series. Um, I think he's earned the, the the spot and the consideration of starting the playoffs and seeing what he can do with it. And I think the Bruins are going to have a really difficult decision in this offseason as far as what they do with him and, and what they do with Allmark. And I really don't see a lot of scenarios where Allmark and Swayman stay together after this year. And I think it's going to be Swayman's net uh, moving forward after this year, in my opinion. A real, a great question and a real difficult one to answer. And because of, you know, for, for all the factors you've just put on the table, uh, money being principal among them, right? Because uh, it's it's clear he'll want to be paid. I think he should be paid. He's yep. he obviously let it be known. I, I'm not going to say disgruntled, but he's he's got that arbitration award in the back of his head. Uh, so th there's a lot in there, and and the discussion we're having here in mid January could be totally different from the discussion we're having in mid April when it's about to start. Uh, right now, 38 uh, games is a long way. Yeah, it is. It is, and they can get hurt. Omar got hurt. You know, we're assuming he's going to plug right back in and be back at full health. We'll see. I hope so. Uh, no reason to think otherwise. But there's 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 a lot of variables in that right now. The money, uh, the uh, questionable deployment of, of his two goaltenders, Montgomery, in last year's playoffs. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can you can make a case for just going with a straight rotation because it was so successful. It, ultimately, I, I can talk around the subject for an hour and a half, and I won't come up with a really good, cogent answer for you, other than I believe Swayman is a franchise goaltender. He's yeah. the goaltender of the future, yep. whether, whether that is established and manifested in this playoff, I don't know. But I, I think he is the guy as much as Marchand is the guy, Pasternak is the guy, McAvoy is the guy, right? Uh, when it when it actually gets... The future is now. And the question is, is whether the Bruins, which they typically look at their team's season and decide based on the season they're having, and they're having that season, to do something at the deadline in order to elevate the possibilities off of the basis of what they've done, their body of work. And right now, even though this team wasn't supposed to be the, in the position it is, they are there 44 games down the road. And so if this continues to the deadline, then I start wondering with limited chips, I'll mark DeBrusque, if they will make moves to try to upgrade themselves significantly and and uh, either acquire a back nine backup who can spot duty at an NHL level, or if they feel strongly about Brandon Bussey at that point or DiPietro, um, and and go with that uh, as the backup, uh, and, and give Swayman the net and say this is the one way we can elevate. And, and it's compelling to me only because they're having this season, and that's how they based it in the past. So you're Mick. You're saying trade Allmark at the or before the deadline. Is that what you're? I'm, you're I'm saying out there? the Bruins. I'm saying the Bruins are probably considering this because traditionally, in the Don Sweeney era, they based their deadline acquisitions and the significance thereof on the on how good their record is, and they're holding up 44 games in. If they're still holding up when we get near the March, 
was it March 4, March 8, uh, the deadline, then I think that if they're holding up at that point, then it's a live wire. It's something that could happen. Debrus could happen. Almar could happen. Something could happen that would allow them to identify a way that they can think that they can bolster their team's chances in the playoffs and take a run at this thing again. If they think that they could, if the, if the, if the bait, if what's out there, they assign that value to. Yeah, I, I continue to contend. I think goaltending is so paramount to what they're doing this year and so baked into the DNA of this team having success um, that I don't know that they're going to mess with the goaltending situation Maybe not. In, in season because of that, because they're so reliant on all it would take is one, you know, if they trade away all Mark, all it would take is one Swayman injury to really torpedo everything, um, you know, that they're sort of built around as far as the postseason goes this year. Uh, and I also think they just need both of those goalies this year. I think it's just the the makeup and the DNA of this team. And to alter that would be to signif significantly alter who they are and what they are for this year. I also don't think uh, goalies get net that much in trades. And I don't know that you would get value in season um, like you might in the summertime for him uh, when maybe there's a little bit more of a goalie trade market. I, I'm just not sure it's going to be there. Well, I guess, uh, I guess the yeah. question is if you can identify a team that would consider itself a contender if they could acquire yeah. them. I just, I just don't know if it would be worth it, worth your trouble for whatever you would get back if you were to, you know, mess with the team at, at, to that level. But yeah. um, I, I think it, it, it's all going to play out into a very interesting situation. I don't, I know the theory of rotating goalies is nice in the playoffs and, you know, it's a, it's a nice thing to say, Oh, we rotated goalies in the regular season. Let's just do the same thing in the playoffs. I don't know any hockey coach that could adhere to that, especially if the go a goalie comes out of the gate and starts playing well. I don't know that, you know, if, if Jeremy Swayman started game one and had a, a 40 save shutout, are you really going to start Linus Allmark in game two? If he was brilliant? Like, I don't think you would. I think you would stay with Jeremy Swayman, especially if he was an all-star and he like he was having a breakout year, all that stuff. So I think there is like at to Dupe's point, a lot of factors at play here um, that make it tough to predict now what's going to happen in April. But I, I think Swayman is the guy and will be the guy in the playoffs next year and beyond. And I think he's shown that this year as he continued as he took another big step forward this year in his, his NHL career quickly before we go. Um, Twitter question of the week, FGent74, where is the pasta love around the league for a Hart Trophy? Putting up these numbers on an average mm -hmm. offense with three on his line. Give him Mitch Marner to play with. Let's see his numbers. Uh, just real quickly, Dupes and and Mick, who's in your uh, Hart Trophy uh, discussion? Uh, who who do you have in the mix uh, for that at the end of the year, and how prominently does pasta play, uh, play into that mix? Dupes, go oh. ahead. Do He's certainly in there. You, ha you have to. I mean, six, six, what it was, 61 last year. He, he was earlier on the pace for 60s. He's mid to high 50s now after after last night's hat trick. And, and uh, you know, we appreciate it all the more here because he's doing it without without Bergeron, without Krejci. So uh, yep. he's changed his game somewhat. Uh, he, is, he, is, he is more of a competitor than he has been. So all of it, he certainly has to be in there. Quinn Hughes, I think you have to have in there. Yep. Uh, you know, give, given the way Vancouver is playing, again, it's it's judged on <clears throat> most valuable to your team. I think you take Quinn Hughes out of that equation, it doesn't collapse. Elias Pedersen is having a having a great year too. 
you know, McDavid's always in the mix and, 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 and really should be. I think Zach Hyman should be in the mix. He's having a tremendous year for them. Uh, as I was saying on a podcast yesterday, he's the player Toronto wishes they had. <laughs> they yep. had him and let him go. So <laughs> you can always come up with goaltenders. Uh, uh, Kucherov, again, and again, yep. that, that Tampa, we didn't touch on this. I was going to bring it up earlier. Tampa has sagged. Uh, I don't know whether it's just fatigue, as it often is, as, we, as we've seen with Pittsburgh, but Kucherov is having a hell of a year. So He is. He's been unbelievable. He, 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 yes. Um, the guy, I think the guy we saw that. last night. And McKinnon. Um, yeah. He, he, he's second in scoring to Kucherov. He's a plus 10. I think you take him off that Colorado team and you have a giant hole. I, I think as good, great a Kuch, player as Kucherov is, Boy, I don't, I don't think it changes the lightning nearly as much as it changes the avalanche if you don't have McKinnon. The other guy that that we haven't talked about here, um, and we'll see what happens to their team down the stretch here, but Sidney Crosby yeah. is just carrying the Penguins on his back. Yep. And if they're in the playoffs when this is over, uh, I think he's going to be in the conversation. Yeah, I think he should be in the conversation for a couple things. I, I haven't looked at the numbers lately, but I remember uh, Greg Wyshynski asked me earlier in the year to do one of those awards, sort of, you know, where you're at as far as your favorites. And, like, I had him in the conversation for Selkie, too, which he's never won and never – I even I don't even know if he's ever been, even been a finalist before. But I think Sid deserves consideration for something like that as well. I mean, he's he, – He's always been a great defensive player, good face-off guy, good center, like all that. So 200-foot player. So I think he deserves a little bit more love in the heart and that as well. Um, thank you very much for the time, guys. I appreciate it. Good stuff. Uh, Mick Collagio, Kevin Paul DuPont, uh, appreciate you both. Let's also uh, thank our sponsors, Factor Meals, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, uh, delicious meals ready in two minutes. Uh, uh, chef made uh, calorie conscious meals fantastic uh go to factormeals.com slash hags 50 and use code hags 50 to get 50 percent off your first box and let's also thank uh the exclusive wagering partner of clns network FanDuel sportsbook right now new customers get 150 dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet that's 150 bucks if your team wins, the app is download, easy to download, easy to use. Uh, spreads, player props, over-unders, so much more at FanDuel Sportsbook. So if you haven't gotten involved with it, get in, start spending some money, start winning some money. It's all good. Uh, visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off uh, the NFL playoffs that are going on right now. Kevin Paul DuPont, Mick Collagio, I will see you both at the rink. Thank you very much for the discussion, boys. All right, lads. Good to be with you. And uh, Dupes, kudos to you for mentioning uh, Quinn Hughes. He's he's a plus thirty three, and and that's a uh, that's a defenseman for the heart. And I I love the idea. I don't think they get enough love. I agree, and he will definitely get consideration for the heart. All right, everybody, thank you for listening. We'll see you at the ring.